Coming to you live from the Republic of Texas and broadcasting around the world, this is the Max McGuire Show. This is our last chance to take this country back. That's true. Listen, it doesn't matter that Joe Biden is losing his mind. He still betrayed this country. Come on, man. So get ready, because the Max McGuire Show starts right now. Welcome back to another edition of the Max McGuire Show. Oh, no, my camera's not working. Give me one second. Welcome back to another edition of the Max McGuire Show, everyone. My name is Max McGuire. Apologies for this. Um, lots to do this morning. Lots that I had to try and figure out how to get all uploaded on my own. I thought that I was going to be relatively quick this morning, but every time I thought I had enough, um, there's more stuff I need to include. So we got lots, lots, lots of, um, of cuts, lots of things to talk about. Busy weekend for Democrats over the weekend. I don't know if you noticed, pretty busy weekend. Um, they, they made good on their promise. They made good on their promise to go after conservative justices from the Supreme Court. They made good on their promise to terrorize Catholic churches over the weekend. That image is on the screen, which it was the most bizarre thing I've ever seen happen in front of a Catholic church. This woman... Anyone listening to the audio version, this is a woman in a leotard with apparently babies, like like stuffed babies shoved in her leotard, um, walking around in front of a church. We're going to play that cut a little later. It is vile. Again, I will warn earmuffs for anyone who doesn't like cursing. I, again, tried my hardest to leap out the curse words, but as seems to always be the case, these leftist loons just curse faster than I can even hope to bleep it out. So before that plays, I will again warn everyone to put on their earmuffs just in case uh, you don't like this language. But we have to show it. We have to show what the left is up to. We cannot censor and, and bleep them. We need to let you see and let the world see what they're up to. Because as I said on Friday, the mainstream media is more than happy to play the videos of the nice, peaceful candlelit vigils. They aren't showing you that on screen. No, they are not. So... Let's dive right into it. Remember back in 2020 when Chuck Schumer threatened the Supreme Court justices over abortion, specifically threatening them over abortion? I want to play this cut again. Played it on my old show. I want to play it here because some people might have forgotten. This is Chuck Schumer standing in front of the Supreme Court threatening Supreme Court justices if they don't rule on Roe versus Wade the way he wants them to. Here we go. This is cut one. I want to tell you, Gorsuch. I want to tell you, Kavanaugh. You have released the whirlwind, and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions. You won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions. Remember when they impeached Donald Trump for telling people to go protest peacefully? Here you have a senator. At that time, he was, he was in the leadership threatening Supreme Court justice. How else do you interpret someone on the steps of the Supreme Court pointing back at the Supreme Court and telling conservative justice you won't know what hit you? Again, as I mentioned on Friday, this is not a democratic institution. It is an institution. It's an institution that's not supposed to be kind of swayed by public opinion. And yet there you had Chuck Schumer threatening Supreme Court justice. I want to put this on the screen just now before we get into any of this because as I'm looking at that, that technically is a crime as well. I didn't bring this up on Friday. It slipped my mind. 
18 U.S.C. Section 1507 U.S. Law prohibiting the picketing, parading, or protesting of individuals in front of courts or judges or justices' homes with the intent of swaying their decision-making. It says, quote, whoever with the intent of interfering with, obstructing, or impeding the administration of justice or with the intent of influencing any judge, juror, witness, or court officer in the discharge of his duty, pickets or parades in or near a building housing a court of the United States or in or near a building or resident occupied or used by such judge, juror, witness, or court officer, or with such intent uses any sound truck or similar device or resorts to any other demonstration in or near any such building or residence shall be fined under this title and imprisoned not more than one year or both. Think about that. What, what you just saw was a sitting senator, member of the Democrat leadership, standing on the steps of the Supreme Court, violating 18 U.S.C. Section 1507. That's not the only one we're going to get to today. Trust me, there's a lot of these. And it makes you wonder, where are the cops? Where are the FBI agents who were so quick to sweep up anyone who stepped foot in the Capitol building, charged them with misdemeanors of illegally parading in Congress? I want to be very clear. That statute I just put up on the screen, statute I just put up on the screen prohibiting picketing or parading to influence the Supreme Court or any other federal court, has a nearly identical statute in U.S. law that many of the January 6th protesters have been charged under, namely illegally picketing or parading inside of Congress. It's a misdemeanor. But why is it that, I think we know why, but why is it that conservatives get the book thrown at them and they, th and they charge hundreds of these people with illegally picketing or parading, but Chuck Schumer gets away with it? As we'll see in a little bit, all of these leftist Democrats get away with picketing in front of Kavanaugh's home. It really is shameful. I'm just going to also say that Samuel Alito and his family had to be moved to an undisclosed location after threats came in to their life and well-being. They had to be moved due to concerns of their, for their safety. This is not the way this country is supposed to be run. We're not supposed to have Supreme Court justices and their families fleeing for their lives because the leftist mob is at the gate really is shameful. But it wasn't just Schumer, and it wasn't just in 2020, calling for people to continue doing this. We saw Nancy Pelosi over the weekend admit, admit that the protests taking place over the weekend, that the protest goal was to influence the Supreme Court decision. And she said, point blank, that this is going to be a bad decision no matter what, but the protesters can actually make it a little bit better. Like cut two. But this is, a, I think, a right now crisis for a lot of women in this country. What do we do for them right now? Yes, I think we have. I, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, we have to be uh, have a clarity in what this draft decision means so that the final decision doesn't go that far. The chief justice has said this is this is authentic. But it is not final. I don't want mm -hmm. to use the word authentic. It's right. real, but not final. So, uh, again, the, uh, Lincoln said public sentiment is everything. With it, you can yeah. accomplish almost anything. Without it, nothing. And women just have to weigh in. I don't yeah. think there's a good outcome here, but I think there's a better outcome than what we have seen in the first draft, which is radical. How disgusting to pervert Lincoln's comment. When Lincoln said public sentiment is everything, when Lincoln was learning the law by candlelight in his log cabin 
he was not, <laughs> I mean, he did not, he was not advocating that people try and intimidate judges. I mean, this statute that I just put up on the screen, I'll put it up again. This is witness tampering. This is the same statute that the federal government would use to go after anyone who attempts to intimidate a witness or a juror or a court officer or judge. I guarantee you that when Abraham Lincoln was again studying law by candlelight in his log cabin, he was not advocating for public sentiment to intimidate witnesses, jurors, and judges. But she said it. She came out right and said it, that the goal of this movement is to intimidate and to convince them to temper their language. That it's going to be a bad decision for left no matter what. Let's try and make it slightly better than what that draft said. Now, the good news, and I, I don't know if we can really take this at its word. I hate leaks. I don't trust leaks. But this is another leak that just came out. In Fox News, Fox News is reporting that the Supreme Court's majority decision, majority vote to overturn Roe versus Wade remains intact. So that draft, that draft that was released has not lost five Supreme Court justices necessary to make that the majority opinion. Now, Fox News cites three people familiar with the case. I guess this is just going to all get leaked now. Once they leaked once, they opened the floodgates. It's terrible for the Supreme Court long term, but that is the reporting now that their majority remains intact. But the left is, is frantically trying to stop that. It's frantically trying to threaten these five justices into abandoning their position. Before we get at the next part of this, I want to play another clip of Pelosi from over the weekend. That was her on MSNBC. She was on, I believe, Face the Nation, CBS, and she didn't get as nice of a, a line of questioning. The, the interviewer asked her, why haven't Democrats codified Roe versus Wade in all the time they had the opportunity to do so? Which is a fair question. Remember, in the first two years of Barack Obama's term, Democrats had the, the House of Representatives, they had a supermajority in the Senate, and they had, obviously, Barack Obama in the presidency. If they wanted to codify Roe versus Wade into law, they, they could have done it, and no one would have been able to stop them. Listen to Nancy Pelosi squirm trying to answer this question. Let's play cut three. Back when Democrats held majorities in the House and the Senate, 2009, uh, when you were Speaker, President Obama was asked about codifying Roe versus Wade and said abortion's a moral and ethical issue and, quote, not the highest legislative priority. Do you think it was a mistake for him, for other presidents, not to push harder what, what, when I, Democrats I, had I, the majority? If I just Fair may, question. the focus we have right now is an urgent one in order to uh, uh, try to improve uh, and try to improve this, uh, what we're calling it, fake or draft decision, whatever it is. I think that this is a waste of time. The fact is, in 09, we really did not have a pro uh, choice uh, Democratic Party. Uh, I had to sure. fight against some of the people who did not want uh, to pass the Affordable Care Act because they were concerned that it might enable uh, more freedom of choice. It, it really didn't go down that path. Right now, we do have yeah. a pro-choice uh, Democratic Congress, and we passed the law um, a month ago, and, and last, I think, September. You did in the House. It's been a yeah. while. It's a, it's a, a number. Of Notice how she doesn't answer the question. Well, she did. She said, I couldn't convince the Democrats. But that should show you just how far the Democrat Party has come. I played a couple of days ago that image that Elon Musk put up on his Twitter 
showing that he hasn't changed. The Democrat Party has ran as far left as possible and left him a position that now is moderate just because of how far left they've become. But no, Pelosi didn't fight to codify Roe versus Wade. Democrats have never fought to codify Roe versus Wade until right now. So I, I, I want to play this clip, this image. I've been leading into it. This woman, African-American woman, in front of a church, staging the most vile, disgusting, also strangest protest I've ever seen, simulating giving birth on the steps of a Catholic church while these men behind her are praying the rosary and, and praying for someone to intervene and stop her. I want to play this clip again. Like last week, this is not censored. I did not bleep this because it would just take too long. But I think it's important that everyone understands what the left is doing and how the left is pro protesting. So full disclosure, earmuffs, this is going to be a little bit vile and disgusting. Let's play it. This is cut five. Let the Alright, let's just pause it right here. She is screaming, they are terrorizing my effing uterus. No. No. Just like we said, just like I said last week, just like I say, anytime you see a disgusting leftist um, threaten to go on a sex strike. Unless someone gives into their way of thinking, um, no one wants that. No one wants anything that's going on here. Um, you're a little delusional to think that. Let's go ahead and keep playing because it gets weirder. So here, like so often, you see someone saying it's none of your effing business. Meanwhile, they just want to be left alone. And she's running around shoving these, these baby dolls in their face wrapped in some kind of pink cloth. Um, it's, it's going to be used to simulate childbirth. I believe she's going to crawl and wiggle on the ground and simulate the murder of these baby dolls in just a second. But when she screams, <laughs> stop controlling my uterus. No one wants you there, lady. No one wants you anywhere near them. Keep going. I'm killing the Killing the mother effing baby. I'm killing them. I'm killing the baby. background chants thank god for abortion this woman is wiggling writhing on the ground pulling baby dolls out of her out of her jumpsuit out of her unitard smashing them on the ground screaming i am killing the babies i am killing the babies right in front of catholic church 
on Sunday during Mass. He definitely aborted his baby. Now she's pulling the string of babies out of her unitard. Wiggling on the Can you guys help pavement. us fucking praying in that fucking market? <laughs> so we're going to stop it there because this is uh, really, really vile. And I apologize for the language. I, I don't like to curse like that. I do think, though, again, it is important to see the enemy, what the enemy is doing, uncensored, un unmanipulated. That's not manipulated video. That is video taken in front of a Catholic church during Mass with the crowd chanting, thank God for abortion, as she wiggles and writhes around on damp pavement, pulling a string of baby dolls out of her unitard, smashing them against the ground, screaming, I am killing the babies. <laughs> Ray says drugs are bad. Yes, cocaine is one hell of a drug. Um, no idea what this, What I, I think we understand what's driving this woman. This is evil. I mean, there are moments, I mean, Satan is real. Evil is real. And there are people in this world who are here to do Satan's bidding. And, and they, I mean, <laughs> exorcisms are real. Like, demonic possession is real. Um, I've, I've met many priests who have been exorcists, like legitimate exorcists traveling the world to rid people of the demons that were possessing them. And I've asked them, is it real? And they look me in the eyes, and the terror in their eyes as they say this cannot, could not be faked. I mean, these priests, Father Ralph DiOrio, a famous priest based out of Massachusetts, I got to meet him a, a number of times, and the stories he would tell about exorcisms he would do would put a chill down your spine. It would, it would give you goosebumps just listening to him as he, as he explains everything he, has, he had endured during his life. It, it's terrifying. This was one of those, I believe that's one of those instances. How else can someone do what we just watched without, without evil, without demons, without Satan being involved? It's hard to imagine. That's not, very few rational people wake up on a Sunday and say, hey, I'm going to go wiggle around on damp con concrete and smash baby dolls in front of a Catholic church. That's a little bit much. There was another protest in a Catholic church where they, the protesters walked in, again, dressed up as the, uh, as the Handmaiden's Tale, and they had to be escorted out. Not going to play the whole thing, just going to show you what happened. They walked into Catholic Mass during proceedings, and it took people in the pews to get up and to drag them out. You are not attacking anybody. You're attacking me right now. You're attacking me right now. It had to be removed by parishioners and by security. Everyone's there, literally, they're, they're praying. It's in the middle of Mass. So, every, you can see people were kneeling. Um, I, I didn't get to listen to the background, but it's entirely possible that that was um, while the priest was, was actually performing the Mass, right? Where the, the, the wine, I mean, in, in the Catholic tradition, and I know not every Christian uh, sect believes this, but in the Catholic, Catholic tradition, um, it's transubstantiation. It's the idea that when the priest prays over the bread and prays over the wine, that it's not just symbolic, that in that moment, the bread and the wine become the body and blood of 
that's part of the Catholic Mass. And you can see everyone's kneeling. I would have to go back and listen to it again. But traditionally, when you see everyone kneeling, it's around that time in the Mass. See these women come in dressed as Handmaiden's Tale and interrupting Mass. I mean, so, so much for what we covered on Friday. The left is saying that they support your right to religion, but don't want your religion to impose anything on them. Here we have, a couple days later, leftist protesters interrupting church services and putting on that display. It got worse, though. It got worse. Remember that group I mentioned on Friday, Ruth Sent Us? Ruth Sent Us put out a tweet late last week with a picture of Jesus holding a whip and whipping. Um, they, they superimposed a woman dressed up as Handmaiden's Tail. And the tweet says, quote, Stuff your rosaries and your weaponized prayer. We will remain outraged after this weekend, so keep praying. We'll be burning the Eucharist to show our disgust for the abuse Catholic churches have condoned for centuries. That threat to burn the Eucharist, as I just mentioned in the Catholic tradition during the Mass, Transubstantiation is the belief that the Eucharist, the, the bread, actually becomes the body of Jesus Christ. So when people consume it, they are literally participating in the act of, of consuming body in Jesus' blood. That's the Catholic tradition. So when you hear someone threatening to steal the Eucharist and to burn it, and to burn it, they are talking about literally, according to the Catholic faith, burning the body and blood, if they take that too, of Christ. It's not, it's not a little threat. It's not a tiny threat. I mean, you see what, what the, uh, the Islamic faith does anytime someone burns a Quran or puts a Quran in the toilet. That's the book. I mean, this is a million times worse. And we don't know if that happened. There haven't been any videos that I could find of people taking the Eucharist and going outside and burning it. But we do know something happened in the Houston area. Father Christopher Plant, I believe he's in the Houston area. He put out on Twitter on today, this morning. Our tabernacle was stolen last night. Quote, our tabernacle was stolen last night. We don't know who did it, but the police are investigating. P please pray for us and for those committing this criminal sacrilege. And then he has a number. It's a number where you can call if you know anything about it. And if you know anything about this, 281-391-4758. So they stole a tabernacle. What is a tabernacle? The tabernacle is, is the ornate box that is on the altar or, or behind the altar. It, it's up there. And that is where the body and blood of Christ in the Catholic tradition is returned after Mass. So if they consecrate the bread and the wine, and there aren't enough people in attendance to consume the body and blood of Christ, the priest afterwards will put the body and blood of Christ in the tabernacle after Mass. The way that the tradition dictates is it has to be consumed, and not just be left there, um, so it has to be consumed. So usually after Mass, the priest will go ahead and or drink whatever is left. But the tabernacle does also sometimes contain I mean, sometimes they, they mess up. Sometimes it's left in there long term. The theft of a tabernacle at the same time that you have these leftists threatening to burn the Eucharist in the street. I don't know if it's connected, but my spider sense is tingling and it's hard to ignore. It's hard to ignore that. 
And where is, as people in the comment section are saying, where is the, the Catholic president to denounce this? Where is he? Sleeping, nap time, applesauce time. Noticeably silent is the Catholic president on the threats against his church, the defiling of his church. Noticeably silent. Recognize what that silence means. That silence is an endorsement. That silence is. So that's happened at churches. And I'm sure we will get more videos in the, in the, in the coming today and tomorrow of other protests outside of churches. I know there were multiple. There were many. But there were also protests in front of the justices' homes. I already covered that the Alito family was removed from their home and moved to an undisclosed location for their safety. That happened. I cannot remember another time where that has happened, where a Supreme Court justice had, has had to flee their home because of threats made against them. Threats over words. Put on paper. It's funny, the left always shouts, silence is violence. Silence is violence, silence is violence. Well, it turns out writing a draft opinion is also violence. So you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. It's just violence. Everything that's anti-leftist is violence, which again, justifies their actions. They, they categorize our behavior as violence, even though it is not, to justify what comes next. I watched uh, over, the, over the weekend, uh, 2,000 Mules. Great documentary. Most of it we already knew about. We already knew about it. But the videos that they were able to put forward and the tech work that they did behind the scenes to actually buy the phone data, find the people who went to a nonprofit and then visited, I believe it's 10 different drop boxes. That was the, that was the qualifiers. In order to be included in their data, in order for them to even look at the security film, they had to find a cell phone that visited a Democrat nonprofit and then that same day visited 10 drop boxes. They found 2,000 people who fit that description. Hundreds of thousands of ballots amongst them. We knew most of it, right? We knew most of, of everything, but the, the videos, and there's one video, I mentioned this on my Telegram. If you haven't already um, watched it, I highly recommend that you watch the documentary. There was a part that you can't dispute. A woman is dumping ballots into the ballot drop box wearing surgical gloves. And then she takes the gloves off after she puts the ballots in, throws them in the trash. That happened on December 23rd. The reason they said that that was the first time that they really started seeing people wearing gloves. Reason being a day earlier, there were people indicted in Arizona where the feds were able to catch people illegally voting, illegally dropping off ballots through fingerprints. So sure enough, the next day they start wearing gloves. I highly recommend that you watch that, that you watch that video where i was even going with this oh the, the 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 threats right even the wake of all this i've never seen the threats against a supreme court justice like this ever before you have alito fleeing i i suspect that kavanaugh fled as well we're going to play a little bit of the video of the protest in front of his house i i find it hard to believe that his security detail would have allowed him and his family to stay in their house Let's go ahead. We'll, we'll play it. Let's go ahead and play. This. this is the Kavanaugh protest, the protest in front of Kavanaugh's house in Chevy Chase, Maryland. Disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. Pro-life is a lie. You don't care if people die. 
keep abortion safe and legal. Um, abortion is not safe. Let's just, let's just call that out. It is not a safe procedure. I'll put this up. This is the Washington Post reporting. The, wa the media, the leftist media, decided that they were not going to report on Kavanaugh's home address. But they did post this over the weekend. Quote, with Roe versus Wade on the line, Lacey Wooten Holloway, who has had an abortion and is a, is a survivor of sexual assault, is protesting outside the home of her neighbor, Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. So Brett Kavanaugh's address is protected. You can't find it. Obviously, someone did. Otherwise, they wouldn't be there. But it's very difficult to find. It's not easy to find. But if you type in Lacey Wooten Hallway, which I did over the weekend, it took me all of 30 seconds to find out where she lived. It took me literally 30 seconds to find out where she lives in Chevy Chase, Maryland. That part has never been, like, everyone knows that Kavanaugh lives in Chevy Chase. I believe also that, um, that the Chief Justice... John Roberts also lives in Chevy Chase, Maryland. It was reported that he lives half a mile away from Brett Kavanaugh. Again, once you find out where this Lacey Wooten hallway lives, you, you know where Kavanaugh lives, and then you just take your little protractor and you draw a half mile diameter around that, and that's where the Chief Justice lives. I, I've never seen this before in my life. They, cl they, they claim that they took the high road by not sharing Kavanaugh's address, but they shared the... They basically told you who his neighbor was and it takes you 30 seconds to find it really is really is disgusting almost as disgusting as this picture <laughs> I, I still don't really understand so that was the kavanaugh protest which again remember going back to image 4 18 usc section 1507 it is a crime a federal crime to protest in front of a supreme court justice's house the intent of influencing a decision which uh, we've played plenty of clips whether it's Schumer, whether it's Pelosi, whether it's other people we played on Friday, the goal of these protests is to influence the decision. It's not just to protest, right? The reason they are protesting now is because they want to influence the decision, which makes it a crime. There's a lot of other weirdness, and I want to play some of the weirdness, and I don't really know what this was all about. It was a joke. I guess a, a really bad excuse for a joke. Lori Kilmartin, a commentator on MSNBC, made the disgusting joke that she wanted to make love to the leaker, the Supreme Court leaker, so that she could potentially become pregnant and then kill the baby, she says fetus. Kill the baby. Not exactly a highbrow joke. I want to play it for you because, again, these people need, we need to show everyone who these people really are. You shouldn't hide their disgusting actions. You should let them re be revealed. Let's play this. This is Lori Kilmartin on MSNBC. I guess so. I mean, here's the thing. Here's my feeling about the leaker. I, I would like to find out who the leaker is so I could make sweet love to that person because that person is a hero <laughs> to me. Okay. And if the leaker, yeah. a lot of people are saying it could be a conservative. If the leaker is a Republican, uh, and if I get pregnant during our lovemaking, I will joyfully abort our fetus. And let them know. <laughs> I don't know if that answered your question. I probably didn't. Um, it, it, it was a little. It was Vile. a little off topic. It was a little. Go ahead, okay. Joe. <laughs> Take this one. I'm taking that down. It's vile. That's disgusting. I mean, this is how dedicated to abortion these people are. Joking about becoming pregnant just so you can abort 
maybe just to own the conservatives. Everyone says, oh, conservatives just want to own the libs. Well, that was the opposite. That was the exact opposite. Talking about deliberately becoming pregnant just so you can abort a baby. This is, this is an evil that, realize this evil has existed. Up until now, they, the left has not been willing to talk like this. Maybe some have been, but up until now, this kind of disgusting vitriol has never made it onto nationwide TV. Because the left understood, hey, we still need to win elections. We can't be talking about deliberately killing babies. Remember back in the day, I mean, I say back in the day, it was a couple of years ago they changed it. The Democratic Party platform said that abortion should be safe, legal, and rare. They removed the word rare from their platform. Why is that? I think it, I thought it was everyone's hope that abortion would be rare. No, they removed that from the party platform because they do not want abortion to be rare. A lot of reasons. Again, satanic possession is real. Many of these people are possessed. They are doing what they're doing to serve a lower power. That's one reason. Second reason is they are bought by Planned Parenthood and these abortion um, interests. That is real. They, they are, Planned Parenthood has pledged to spend $150 million on the midterms this year. $150 million. Because they realize that their ability, their livelihood, remember, they treat this as a business, their livelihood is at risk. They see the curtain closing on their ability to buy and sell the, the body parts of aborted children. They see the curtain closing, so they're going to spend everything they have, $150 million. So if you're a Democrat running in a tough race and you see Planned Parenthood's going to be spending millions of dollars to help you, all of a sudden you, you feel pretty beholden to Planned Parenthood, don't you? If they end up saving your political career. Democrat Party is bought, bought by Planned Parenthood. It's, it's, it's over. There's no more. There's a couple, but there really aren't any pro-life Democrats left. And Nancy Pelosi admitted that. I'll play it briefly. This was a protest. I believe this was in California. Leftists wanting to abolish the Supreme Court, not just because of abortion, but because of the eviction moratorium. These are socialists. I want to play a little bit of this just so you can get a sense for what's going on out there. Nine unelected millionaires are currently debating and deciding on the rights of over half of this country from 165 million people. 72% of this country supports Roe v. Wade. All right, so they're just putting that out, but I want to show you the signs. These are the socialist signs that they were putting out there. Quote, the system is sexist. Fight for socialism. Abolish the Supreme Court. Enemy of women. Fight back. Only the struggle has won women's rights. And then legalize abortion once and for all. But they're actually advocating to abolish. Abolish the Supreme Court. That's interesting. Not sure how that would work but they want to abolish the Supreme Court. We've covered a couple things today. We've covered the disgusting examples of Democrat leadership egging on these protests, covered the protests at the churches, defiling churches. I mean, usually defiling would be like spray painting, but I don't know if you can ever wash off what this woman did with those babies in front of that Catholic church. That, she defiled the grounds. We need to, <laughs> we need to bless those grounds, consecrate those those grounds again because she defiled them. We saw that. We saw the, the protests, the illegal protests outside of Supreme Court justices' homes that sent at least one justice fleeing with his family after threats to their safety. 
And now we see these other disgusting protests saying abolish the Supreme Court to enact socialism. The latest talking point from the Democrats, though, is that Kavanaugh, Barrett, Gorsuch need to be arrested and prosecuted because they lied. They're saying they lied under oath and they committed perjury. Here's Chuck Schumer saying just that. Abomination. One of the worst, most damaging decisions in modern history. Several of these conservative justices who are in no way accountable to the American people have lied to the U.S. Senate, ripped up the Constitution, and defiled both precedent and... I mean, this is their new line. This is their new line that they have perjured themselves and they must be removed from office. This, this rationale even made it onto Fox News, onto The Five, with Geraldo Rivera disgustingly mimicking Schumer's talking points. I want to play a little bit. I'm not going to play the entire bit because it's, it's a little repetitive. Let's play this. This is Geraldo on The Five. Uh, more problematic, I think. And Judge, I think you'd agree with me. What this shows, because it goes both ways, what this shows is that the Senate confirmation process by which a, a nominee is interrogated by both parties and give, give their reasons why they are fit to be on the high court is absolutely deeply flawed. Why? Because these nominees lie. Whoa. They go before the Senate of the United States. They, uh, they swear that they're going to... Okay, same bit. One bit I do want to show here is after that, Geraldo exploded at Gutfeld. It's not really, it's not, it, it doesn't have to do with what we're talking about right now, but I want to play it because it is incredible. Geraldo exploding at Greg Gutfeld towards the end. Let's play this. Cut 16. Anywhere on social media, it's something to celebrate, to cherish, right? The unimportant. To shout. Oh, that's the, the, baloney. No, well, yes. That's baloney. Let, I, I can, I'll give cherish you evidence. Cherish the, the wire hanger stuck up their private oh, stuff. Trying on. to get it. What? The, what? Come on. The unborn child. What? Come on. That's the, the unborn the child becomes. Before this is exactly what I expected. Ah, uh, they the, the, bring out the old code hanger. You are arrogant. Go, go for it. Geraldo, come on, keep going. Okay, Joe. Make it a fool on of this, On this, don't, don't you? You know something? What? You insulting punk. <laughs> okay. Oh, what? Am I your new Joey, Bongino? Go. <laughs> go. His new Bongino. Ah, oh, you arrogant. Stops himself. You hear Greg Gutfeld say, "No, go ahead, bring it, bring it." Greg Gutfeld is an actual host of the show. Geraldo is just a fill-in liberal. Again, crazy. I, I didn't know if I wanted to play this one, but this is a guy who, who named Dash Dabrowski. He's on Twitter. He goes to UCLA. He's a political science student. Class of 2023. So he is what? A... He also calls himself a democratic strategist, which is interesting. He had a video go out over the weekend that went a little viral on social media, calling for all of these Supreme Court justices prosecuted for perjury. I want to play it. You can see just how crazy these people are. And I want to respond to it and explain why it's not perjury for Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Barrett to have said what they said during their hearing. Let's go ahead and play this. This is Dash Dabrowski, class of 2023 at the UC. I have a question for the Department of Justice. Okay. When Amy Coney Barrett said she'd uphold Roe v. Wade in her confirmation hearing, she lied. Lying that, under okay. oath is perjury, and perjury is a federal crime. 
Why didn't you take any legal action against her? When Neil Gorsuch said he'd uphold Roe v. Wade in his confirmation hearing, didn't he lied. It. Lying under oath is perjury, and perjury is a federal crime. Why didn't you take any legal action against him? When Brett Kavanaugh said he'd uphold Roe v. Wade in his confirmation hearing, didn't he say. lied. Lying under oath is perjury, and perjury is a federal crime. Ah. Why didn't you take any legal action against him? Merrick Garland, your decision not to prosecute is going to cost women in America their reproductive rights. How dare you call yourself the Department of Justice? Do your job. Prosecute the Republican justices. Prosecute the Supreme. Do your job. Prosecute the Supreme Court. If you don't prosecute the Supreme Court, you're not doing your job. If you're not willing to do what has never been done because it's the most unreasonable thing to possibly propose, you are not doing your job. Okay, let's let's get into this. He says that these three justices promised that they would uphold Roe versus Wade. I went back, played the tape, watched the tape. None of the three justices made that promise. If you actually look at what they said, it was very skillfully, they're very skillful at answering the question without cementing themselves to a position. But first of all, just on the basic issue of perjury, Mr. Dabrowski and Mr. Schumer and anyone else making this claim, perjury deals with facts, not opinions. So for it to be perjurious, you'd have to basically get Kavanaugh to lie about a certain set of facts. Right? Because opinions change and you have every right to change your opinion. If Kavanaugh had said the sky is green, not blue, and you said, sir, the sky is blue, I want to remind you, you're under oath, and he testified, no, it's green, it's every day it's green. Well, if, as long as he's not colorblind, that would be a lie because he would know it's blue. But, I mean, that's, a, that's a crazy example, but I have to simplify it as much as possible for Mr. Dabrowski because apparently the UCLA political science department is a little lacking in, <laughs> in the department teaching law. So. If a justice tells their opinion, it cannot be perjurious unless you can prove that they were lying at the time. Claiming it's perjurious because they have changed their opinion now doesn't work, right? You'd have to find a dear diary entry that they wrote on the day of the, of the testimony saying, ha ha ha, I lied. I really think this way, but I said that. Unless you do that, you can't take statements from a two years later and prove that she perjured herself by stating an opinion she held at the time. But nevertheless, I want to play these clips so you can see that beyond the whole it's not perjury to change your opinion, I also want to show you that they never promised that they were going to uphold Roe versus Wade. What they said, they, they very carefully said that they believe in stare decisis, which is the ruling that basically says courts are obligated to follow precedent of past decisions as long as those precedents were decided legitimately and correctly. Friday, I mentioned a couple court cases, um, including Plessy versus Ferguson. Plessy versus Ferguson, probably the worst Supreme Court decision ever, which held that discrimination in the South could be constitutional as long as the separate um, accommodations for black people and white per people were equal. So Plessy versus Ferguson said, discrimination is constitutional as long as separate but equal. So if you're going to have a white water fountain and a black water fountain, they both have to work. They both have to be clean. Right? They both have to have potable water. You can't have sludge coming out of the black water fountain and pristine 
distilled water coming out of the white water fountain. Separate but equal. Terrible. Disgusting ruling. Which, if you were to follow the left's reasoning, if you were to follow the left's reasoning, it would have been unconscionable for the Supreme Court to come back 50, 60 years later and undo that ruling. Right? I mean, that's the left's reasoning, right? If, if something's on the books for 50 years, the way Roe versus Wade will have been on the books if it stands into next year. If it's been on the books 50 years, it's precedent, it's binding, you can't undo it. So by their logic, there still would be white and black sections on the Montgomery City buses. I mean, uh, I, I don't like doing this. I don't like putting words in people's mouths, but the left is out there saying that the right is trying to ban interracial marriages. Which is, I, I saw that, I was like, well, how, how do you get from... How do you get from saying Roe versus Wade was incorrectly decided should go back to states to now saying that interracial marriages would be banned? Their logic, it, it doesn't really make sense because if you read 14th Amendment and you see that it is unconstitutional to deprive someone of rights, privileges, or liberties on the basis of their skin color, and you, you see that in the Civil Rights Act, there's no way that any state could ever get away with saying that white people can get married, black people can't get married. It's, it's insane. It's insanity. But that's the argument that they're making. That's the argument they're making. Before we run out of time, I want to play some of these clips. This is a short one, and I have a longer one of Barrett, Gorsuch, and Kavanaugh. Let's play the short one first. Roe versus Wade clearly held that the Constitution protected a woman's right to terminate a pregnancy. The Supreme Court of the United States has held in Roe versus Wade that... Um, a fetus is not a person for purposes of the 14th Amendment. That's the law of the land. I accept the law of the land. It's settled as a precedent of the Supreme Court. So what they said was factually accurate. But you'll notice that they didn't say, I promise in every situation to abide by it just because it was previously decision decided. You look at this case, Korematsu v. United States, a Supreme Court case that upheld the constitutionality of internment camps where Japanese Americans were basically sent to concentration camps. Not death camps the way that the Nazis had, but internment camps. We called them internment camps because you didn't want to call them concentration camps. You can see how people could get the wrong idea. These were disgusting. Rounding up people based on their heritage and throwing them into a prison camp should never have been seen as constitutional, and yet Korematsu v. United States ruled that way. The idea that as soon as the Supreme Court decides something, it has to be just kept that way is insane. It's not real. That's not the way that, that uh, stare decisis works. Stare decisis doesn't mean as soon as it's decided, it can never be undecided. That's what the Supreme Court does. It revisits decisions all the time. You'll see there that those three justices didn't claim that they were going to abide by it, uh, uphold it the way that poor poli-sci undergrad just claimed. They said that the Supreme Court has previously ruled, previously found. Let's play a little bit more, a little bit more of Barrett, Gorsuch, and Kavanaugh. Let's play cut 19. Is Roe a super precedent? How would you define super precedent? And I'm answering a lot of questions about Roe, which I think indicates that Roe doesn't fall in that category. And scholars across the spectrum say that doesn't mean that Roe should be overruled. But descriptively, it does mean that it's a case, not a case that everyone has accepted and doesn't call for its overruling. As a judge, it is an important precedent of the Supreme Court. By it, I mean Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey. Been reaffirmed many times. Casey is precedent on precedent, which itself is an important factor. Senator, as the book explains, 
um, the Supreme Court of the United States has held in Roe versus Wade that um, a fetus is not a person for purposes of the 14th Amendment. And the book explains that. Do you accept that? That's the law of the land. I accept the law of the land, Senator. Yes. So the left is claiming that those statements constitute perjury. I want to go through them. Let's go through them one by one. Barrett did not say she's going to always uphold Roe versus Wade. What she said, actually, if you listen to it, was there's a lot of disagreement over whether or not that was decided correctly. And then you see Gorsuch and you see Kavanaugh saying, that, yes, this is law. This is precedent, important precedent. I mean, uh, the bit about Gorsuch, uh, was it Gorsuch or I forget which one just said it, that Planned Parenthood v. Casey was precedent on top of precedent. No, Planned Parenthood v. Casey was almost explicitly decided using stare decisis saying that, nope, precedent, we have to keep it. That doesn't make it stronger. Saying that this should be the way the case is decided because a bad decision demands it doesn't make it a stronger decision. But you notice that none of these three, these three then judges, now justices, promised to do what the Democrats were asking them to do. They said that this is precedent. They said it's binding precedent and that the Supreme Court had decided that in the past. They have every right, once they get into the Supreme Court, once they sit on the bench, to talk with other justices and to change their mind. These are not fact patterns that they deliberately misled Congress about. These are opinions. And opinions change. We hope that the opinions don't change because we don't want people to be confirmed and, and for us to believe that they think one way, get on the bench, think another. We see that so often in Republican uh, nominees like John Roberts, who see the swing to the left. But people do change their mind. That doesn't make it perjury. Doesn't make it perjury. As we wrap up, got, I want to cover a couple couple things. I posted this on my Telegram over the weekend, but this if you haven't already checked it out, make sure you follow me on Telegram uh, at Max J McGuire. Um, these are abortion statistics that I, I think are really useful in anyone arguing over it. This is from Florida's Agency for Healthcare Administration from 2015 data, so it's a little old, but still holds true. 0.001 percent of pregnancies resulted from an incestuous relationship. These are abortions. 0.001% of abortions involve pregnancies resulting from incest. So when you hear Democrats claiming that, oh, we need exceptions for incest, realize that's, that's what, one, one thousandth of one percent? One thousandth of one percent. Cases where the woman's life was endangered by the pregnancy, 0.065%. That's 65 thousandths or 6.5 hundredths of a percent. Where the woman was raped, 0.085%. Where the woman's physical health was threatened by the pregnancy, 0.288%. That's a little bit more significant, but still, it's less than a third of a percent. Where the woman's psychological health was threatened, this is the really disgusting part that the left has thrown in here. Oh, she, she has anxiety, so she's going to be really stressed out by having a baby. Well, that's what parenthood is. That's what parenthood is. Yesterday... Um, my son wanted to play. My wife wanted to sleep in. It was Mother's Day. So he jumped on my back and my back has had a crick in it for the last 24 hours. That's part of parenthood. Saying you don't want to get jumped on by a kid in bed on a Sunday morning isn't a good enough reason to abort a baby. But even that, psychological health, 0.294%, less than a third of a percent. Where there were serious fetal abnormalities, about two-thirds of 1%. 
This is where you get for the actual reason. For social or economic reasons, 6.26% of abortions in Florida were done for social or economic reasons, and no reason given, 92.3%. It's possible there were other ones in the no reason given that would have changed some of these numbers up and up, but realize when you hear people say rape, incest, according to these Florida numbers, if you combine rape and incest, you get 0.086%. You combine physical health, psychological health, and all those other ones, you still are less than two-thirds of a percent. And you add in fetal abnormality to those, you get a combined about one and one-third percent. They are trying to take the exceptions that are exceedingly rare, like ridiculously rare, and trying to take the exceptions and have that craft the rule. We do not take exceptions and make the rule Side the exceptions. No, we make exceptions for the exceptions. That's how usually policy matters work. They want abortion to be open for everyone because, oh my goodness, one 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 thousandth of a percent might be the result of an incestuous. Don't let them. Don't let them get away with this. Use this graphic and fight. Fight for the. Now is the time to do it. Last thing I want to cover. Almost out of time. Um, baby formula is running out around the country. Uh, my, my wife breastfeeds, so uh, we breastfed our children. So we, we use formula every now and then when we're out and about traveling. But we've never had to really buy formula in bulk. And I've never experienced, but I always look and I've never experienced anything like this. I know it happens every now and then. But apparently this is a perfect storm for, for baby formula. Just not being able, you can't find it. Let's play this one. This is a woman saying that she has to drive three to four hours to find baby formula for play cut 21. Families are doing baby formula hunts, going three to four hours away just to get one thing, a formula. I don't know how I'm going to feed my child, so it's that helpless feeling that you never want to feel as a parent. This is mother of two, Katie Thompson. She tells me on how she is down to her last thing of baby formula for her 10-month baby. She says it's alarming that there is nothing for her to buy. Now going to the shelves and there's nothing there, it's kind of like another slap in the face of like, I, I physically can't provide for my child, and now this is scary. Thompson tells me the store shelves are empty and even online is sold out. She says it's a constant worry and panic of how her baby will be fed. On average, they use one big formula tin a week. So if we've seen a lot over the last couple of years about the Defense Production Act. I... I think it was ridiculous some of the things that they were using the Defense Production Act for, but at the time, obviously, it felt like you need to do it. The ability to feed the next generation of Americans is a national security issue. This, this is absolutely a national security issue. It's a vital infrastructure. And the fact that Joe Biden, again, Catholic president, right? President apparently loves children. That's too much. The fact that he has not called for the Defense Production Act to be protect. This supply is disgusting. Well, before we leave, got to remind everyone, my book, The Conservative's Guide to Winning Every Gun Control Argument, is available on Barnes & Noble. You can check it out. Link is in the description. And it is also available on Amazon. Um, so the Kindle version, the e-version, is available on Amazon. Taking a little bit longer to get the e-book version to be approved on Barnes & Noble. I'll see if I can do anything about that. Um, but if it's too hard, probably just leave it on Amazon. So if you want, an, that would be where you find it. 
haven't already checked this book out, please do consider purchasing it. Um, I don't ask for donations on this channel. I don't feel it's right. I do have a full-time job. Kind of just my hobby. But uh, if you want to support me, support the channel, you can do so by purchasing that book. Link in the description. Available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Well, that's going to be it for this edition of the Max McGuire Show. If you like the podcast, make sure you subscribe. Not just on Rumble. Hit that subscribe button really easy. Hit the Rumble button really easy if you haven't already. You can also follow me on all the audio versions. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Podbean, Audible, all the great places, all those links in the description. If you have an iPhone, an iPad, a MacBook, can't stress enough, I really do need your help. Leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Um, it represents between 30 and 40% of all podcast downloads that I've seen. I guess it could be higher, but people download where they want to. It really is important, though, to grow the show, to get it on those uh, leaderboards so more people organically find it, and I need your help to do it. Please, if you haven't already, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Help me out. Well, that's going to be it for this edition of the Max McGuire Show. Remember, everyone, that the fight to take back our country is not over yet, but the only way we win if we all stay up and fight together. See you tomorrow.